Welcome to yet another amazing episode of Javinity Connecting the Dots. Um, we talk with amazing people on the show and today I have two wonderful um, sports women and they're both vegan and I can't wait to introduce them to you. We will be connecting the dots between veganism, uh, strength training, sports, public health, planetary health, and all of these topics and then more. Um, I'll see you soon. Sayuri Malim and Ramona Cadigan, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank Good you. to be here. Well, thank you so much to both of you to join us. And, and there's a little bit of a ping that's happening. I hope it doesn't happen too often, but I'm sure our conversation is just going to be amazing today. Um, Sayuri, tell us where you're joining us from. Ramona, where are you joining us from? So I'm here in Brussels, Belgium. Nice. This is awesome. And it's um, afternoon, your time, I think. Yeah. Yep. In the afternoon. It's a nice sunny day. So good change from the usual weather. Beautiful. Ramona, you're in New York City, I think. Yeah, I'm in uh, Baldwin, New York, uh, oh, okay. Nassau, Nassau County. I'm about, about an hour away, uh, a little over an hour away from New York City. Great. Okay. And I'm in Boston and uh, it's, it's a sunnier day than usual. So, um, okay, let's begin. Um, so Yuri, my first question is to you. And, and a lot of these questions are, you know, they're generic because they apply to both of you. So we'll take Sayuri first and Ramona, then, you know, you can share us, share with us your perspective as well. What drew you to a plant-based lifestyle? So I think from a very young age, I was naturally inclined to um, a plant-based lifestyle, mainly because of some trauma that I suffered when I was young and experienced my mother um, passing away when I was, <clears throat> excuse me, around eight years old. So I kind of became really sensitive to death and this, this idea that people um, disappear and how much pain it brings into people's lives. And um, the same thing applies, I think, for animals. If you think they're humans, animals, we're all beings, we all have feelings. And so um, I became really sensitive to death and decided I didn't want to be involved in um, bringing that upon any, any other beings if I could help it. So I think that's kind of what made me sensitive to plant-based diets in the, in the first place, as well as a love for animals, my best friend, Growing up when I was little was my dog, so I've always <laughs> had a very close and loving relationship with the animals in my life. So I just couldn't couldn't conceive of doing any harm to um, innocent creatures like that. Yeah, well, thank you so much for sharing, and and um, we're so sorry for your loss. Um, you know, losing a source relationship is very hard, and especially in your formative years um you're very young when that happened even so when it happens when we're older um it, it's difficult to, i lost my father to the pandemic and uh it has just been extremely hard you know so my heart goes out to you but you know in the wake of these traumatic events 
which are neurophysiologically reshaping um, of our lives and, and of the ways we think. They often contribute to um, the transformation of our value system. And it, and it seems, you know, something similar happened to you where you realized you know, the sensitivity um, towards all species, all living beings and all sentient beings, and it drew, to, drew you to plant-based living. Um, well, uh, uh, Sayuria, just as a quick follow-up question, you know, did you experience any challenges when as, as a young person, you decided not to have meat or dairy? Well, it definitely, I, I waited quite a while to implement those changes in my life because I also have a bit of a guilt complex. So I don't like putting people out of their way. I like, I don't like causing trouble for people. So um, I figured uh, I didn't want to put my parents out of their way to make special meals for me and this and that. So I kind of waited a little bit until I was out of the house on my own to adopt fully this type of diet. Um, a vegetarian diet when I left uh, home. So, so I certainly waited, but I, I definitely agree that, um, you know, it my, what happened to me in the past transformed my, my view of things and made me see the world in a different way Absolutely. than I would have normally had I not been through that. Absolutely. Yeah. Ramona, what made you um, try veganism? or, or plant-based, however you identify? Yes, I identify myself as, as vegan. I became vegan in 2006. I was vegetarian from 2000 up until 2006. And the reason why I switched over is because even as a vegetarian at that point, um, it's still not complete veganism. Um, and I realized that overall veganism is I chose veganism because I did not want to uh, harm the animals. I realized by eating animals, uh, doing dairy as a vegetarian, doing cheese as a vegetarian, uh, even yogurt, that still um, is uh, causing harm to animals. And I realized that I didn't want to do that anymore, and it wasn't a health issue that I went into veganism. It was an ethical uh, choice. And then over a period of time, then when I got involved more and more deeper into fitness, then I then I uh, promoted uh, veganism. Right. Well, thank you so much for sharing uh, that, you know, regardless of how we come to realize the sentience of other beings and, and we change the, the fuel that fuels us and that it doesn't need to bear violence and, and trauma for others. Um, it, regardless of how we come to it, the fact is that the three of us are here. We have come to it, you know, as, as three grown women, we have realized that we're not going to contribute anymore to the violence committed upon animals. Um, I came to uh, veganism, but actually whole food plant-based eating before I identified myself as a vegan. 
um, I came to it for health reasons. So it's really interesting that even in just, you know, our, um, in, in our, you know, conversation, we, the three of us have, have had very three, you know, three very different stories of how we um, came to connect um, with plant-based lifestyle. Um, Ramona, did you experience any challenges before 2000 and, and after 2006 when you decided to entirely give up animal products? That's a good question. Um, I guess the challenge would be uh, with social, social um, issues because a lot of uh, my friends at the time uh, were not vegan and they couldn't understand why I why me, but then when I educate them, when I educated them why I went into veganism, some of them actually did decide to transfer Oprah. Um, uh, however, I don't make my friends because they're vegan or not vegan. I look at the whole uh, person, so I'm not. I'm a non-judgmental uh, vegan. I'm a militant, a vegan. I don't force people to. Uh, change a diet that they don't want to uh, switch over to and from where they're at. Yeah, well, that's that's a uh, that's a new term, you know, non-judgmental vegan. <laughs> and I'm going to steal that from you. I'm going to borrow that because um, sometimes when you don't even qualify the word vegan with, with any such term, people just automatically assume that you're going to judge them, you know? And, and I've had so many um, non-vegan friends and acquaintances, like whenever you hang out with them and you, you're out at dinner or something and they would be like proactively with, without, you know, me even saying something and, and they would say, but you know, just for today, I'm, I'm probably just gonna go with a salad or, or somebody would be like in your face about, well, I don't know how you eat this. I'm just going to stick to my steak, you know, or whatever it is that they want to have. So it's pretty interesting that the judgment happens anyway. And, um, <laughs> but when you say that you're a non-judgmental vegan and that you're not, that you're conscious about not letting that get in the way of your um, socializing and, and choosing friends and, and hopefully that lack of judgment can also ease people over a period of time to understand why you're making the ethical choices and the nutritional choices that you're making. You know, so, so that's, that's great. Um, so since both of you are sports persons, you know, and, and this, it just excites me to always be, you know, to, to be talking to women in sport and especially women in strength sport. You know, um, I, I want to understand um, from you, Sayuri, first, and, and then we'll go to Ramona. Um, have you always been involved in physical fitness and sports? And like, were you were you the young you know, girl who was like always taking part in school sports meets and events and, and that sort of thing? Or did it happen to you much later? Well, I definitely started later, although I will say that when I was young, I think I had athletic ability um, 
that just I never tapped into really at that age. But I remember in first and second grade, for example, being the fastest kid in my school um, for sprints and things like that, boys and girls. And also having like serious upper body strength for like a fourth grader, being able to pull myself up and hold myself under, it used to be like a, a, a hold uh, for how long you could rest, stay on top of the bar um, is what we used to do in those physical fitness tests. So I remember being like extremely capable and also really liking that kind of stuff. Also played football uh, with the guys like in fifth grade. But then I started getting into uh, music and theater and kind of switched over into the arts uh, going into high school and stuff. So really, I just started becoming um, getting into fitness and strength sports much later in my 20s. Um, and actually, uh, the first sport that I ever became involved in um, prior to that was skateboarding which I would do during my university uh, years. Skateboarding was the best and then kind of got into fitness later on in my 20s from that point and strength training later. So definitely a long process and not from a young age at all. Yeah, although you mentioned that you were the fastest sprinter. And I was, I was the fastest kid in my school in wow. those two years, yeah. Wow, so, you know, the. The body keeps the score in, and, and I mean it in a very different way, right? So there is like muscle memory that you may have had and you were able to tap into it. Yeah, I think it, there was some innate talent there that I just didn't um, get to really realize until later on. But um, yeah, so it was just uh, something I got, I got interested in other things and just never pursued it, but it was there. <laughs> and and now it's it's there for the world to see, yeah. and and we'll come to that in a in a few minutes. Ramona, tell us your sporting history and background. Yes, well, as a at a young age, I started when I was age five when I took tap, ballet, toll, uh, jazz. So I was very involved in that. Um, I would say age five to age. Uh, around 17. I've been involved in, uh, very involved in uh, uh, doing ballet and just uh, going to dance recitals. In school, I took up bowling, believe it or not. <laughs> I wasn't, um, didn't take any uh, any competitive sports in, um, in my school years. So then around the age of, I would say 20, I joined a gym at age 20. And ever since then, I've been in the gym at different levels. Um, when I first started the gym, it was just basically playing with the weights. Uh, I became a certified personal trainer around, I would say, around 25, something along those lines. Yeah. Um, and um, I would do Pilates classes. I've taken classes like step classes. Uh, pump classes, all different classes that you can think of that did for a long, long time. I would say from early 20 to like uh, about say 40, something around the line, right? Then I did Spartan races, uh, even in my, uh, in my early 40s, Spartan races, uh, Warrior Dash. Um, those are more like a circuit 
type of extreme sports. And I think I got prepared for that because I did prior to that a lot of, of the other sports. So I didn't need to train for that because I was a, I'm a personal trainer, so I was able to get into that. And it, it felt it felt good. It felt good. I loved those types of races. Then I transitioned into a little bit of CrossFit, a very short-term course, about maybe five months. I went into weightlifting. I love weightlifting aspect of it. So the snatch, the clean jerk, and I've been competing in Olympic weightlifting and masters since uh, my first competition was in started weightlifting in 2013, 2013, I saw uh, uh, with, with the group. Right. And, um, yeah, been back a little Yeah. Ramona, I, I am hearing a little bit of an echo. So when, when you speak, I don't know if, if you can hear it, Sayuri, but when Ramona speaks, sometimes there is uh, an echo and her voice is choppy. Um, what I'm going to do is, uh, I'm, I'm going to, yeah, there you go. There is a ping. So I'm I'm gonna mute your mic, Ramona, and and see if it disappears. So it does. But I'm gonna continue. And and when we come to you, Ramona, I request you to unmute yourself and and then speak. Okay. Um. So it's it's very interesting. Uh. You know, Ramona, that you mentioned about how uh, and and you too sayuri you spoke both of you spoke about how you were initially interested in um you know performance arts um and like theater and you know drama and and um dance and and those sorts of things um and then over a period of time especially in your 20s both of you discovered uh that fitness could be a part of your life and and then you you just devoted yourselves to it and went on to as Ramona exp explained to us just had that initial fitness build, uh, you know built up and and then you guys um, took it to an amazing competitive level. So um, so Yuri, my next question to you is, um, what is what is it that you do? Like what it, what um, what type of sport like do you lift like you know there are just so many different types of lifts that people do you know and weight training and then so on i'm a complete novice when it comes to this vocabulary so please educate us on uh, what what type of uh, what type of lifting do you do and what does that mean even you know when, when you talk about it and ramona then we'll ask you about what is it that you do and describe to us so what I do is a sport called powerlifting. So it's basically um, three movements, squat, bench, and deadlift. So three movements that pretty much you see people doing in the gym all the time, um, which makes it a really good sport that has kind of a lower uh, barrier to entry. So pretty much anyone can do it any age. It's like fundamental strength uh, movements. So um, the powerlifting, uh, the competitions, you compete in all three movements. So you have three uh, tries, basically, of each movement. And however, the heaviest amount that you can lift is, you know, in each of those is added up to a total. 
So your, your goal is basically just to lift as heavy as possible um, for all of these three movements. Okay, well, thank you so much for explaining that. And um, so you mentioned squats. Yep. What bench else? press. Bench press. Yeah, the, the real bro exercise, you know, the, you see all the guys in the gym, they're always bending. Um, that's number two. And then we've got deadlift as the third, which is the one you just lift the weight off the floor up to your hips. Okay. Wow. That sounds dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> very, usually, it's a very good, they're all very good exercises for building strength and keeping the body um, in good condition. Of course, if you go to the extreme in any sport, you're going to have more danger, for, uh, you know, uh, you might have more danger involved there, but that's the risk that you take when you're competing at a high level. But generally speaking, they're very good, safe exercises if you do them properly. Right, absolutely. And, and you know, I, I wanna ask you, and I'm sure when I do, both of you will have so much to say about it, is like women and strength training, you know, I wanna look, all bulked up and like big and and all of those things and I, I wonder whether it's societal conditioning for women to you know make them want to look delicate um, or overly delicate and and so if they start to put on any sort of muscle it goes against the grain of that societal conditioning um, but but that's a huge topic so I I want to come back to that. Um, Ramona, what is it that you do? <laughs> yeah, you can unmute yourself. Yes, so in Olympic weightlifting, it, it consists of the snatch and the clean and jerk. The snatch is one lift, the clean and jerk is two lifts. And in competitions, uh, they give you three tries in both the snatch and in the clean and jerk. and what they do is that they take the highest one from each lift and give you your total. So whoever has the highest total obviously wins. Um, and it's in powerlifting, we incorporate um, uh, squats, back squats. We do uh, deadlifts also in Olympic weightlifting for us to help us get stronger in those moves. And sometimes we do uh, uh, bench press. Um, the difference between powerlifting and Olympic weightlifting is in Olympic weightlifting, it's more of an agility, fast, um, mobility uh, sport. And I, I competed in one powerlifting competition and I really enjoyed it, you know, as well. Um, so Olympic weightlifting is, is different in, in the ways I just mentioned. Okay, so just so for my clarity. Sayuri, you are a power lifter. Yeah. And Ramona is an Olympic weightlifter. Yeah. So also, basically, a difference between powerlifting and weightlifting is that weightlifting is a sport in the Olympics and powerlifting is not. So, powerlifting has its own um, federation and is involved in some other things like the World Games, which is kind of a, an Olympics for non Olympic sports but we do not have a place in the Olympics. And why do you think that's the case? 
Do you, oh, man. Do, do you have a point of view on that? There is such a history there, but I think it has to do with powerlifting being a very, um, there are so many different federations. So it's kind of not organized to where, you know, it's one federation sending people this and that. And also I think some substance abuse um, issues, which maybe you also find in Olympic weightlifting, but for whatever reason, um, yeah, I think there are a lot of different reasons, but those are maybe the main two, but it's definitely been, they've been trying to get into the Olympics for a while, but it so far hasn't worked out. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah. Thank you for explaining that to me. I'm, I'm just like, this is so educational, powerlifting and Olympic weightlifting. Yeah. Um, and Okay, let's talk about women who lift weights. Leave alone, like power lifters and Olympic weightlifters like you, but just women who lift weights. And why, why do you think there are perceptions um, and sometimes negative perceptions? Like, and and did, did you experience anything like that? Or, or are you aware that such perceptions do exist? Um, do you want, do you want to go first, Ramona? <laughs> you want to talk about it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I just went in there. I, I know who, what, what I want to do. I didn't let anyone, I have my own mind, my own ambitions. I know what my, what goals I'm, I'm going after. And I know what the expectations are are and i you know i know that i feel strong i feel um you know it's a whole different physique type of appearance and look and uh and i just i i did the sport i'm doing the sport because i want to show women that you can be strong Mm. you could do it at any age um, and also I have a little, um, injury where I had an ACL, um, and medial meniscus, uh, uh, tear. Actually, it's a complete tear that I had at the end of August of last year. And so I was able to see a Feltenkrais specialist in New York City that uh, know how to work with athletes. He himself is a fencer and had a, a tear as well, major tear. And um, I'm overcoming it. I'm overcoming it big time. I'm lifting heavy weights. I am able to compete at the Masters Nationals, which is a week from today, believe it or not, in Salt Lake City, Utah. And so uh, that's why I'm lifting. I'm lifting. I'm lifting to prove that you could do it with a handicap. I'm doing it for uh, veganism and in for empowerment empowerment yeah yeah that very well said you know and and it actually helps reframe the tone of my question because you know it's like what about perceptions what about women who want to be strong you know and and that overt explicit demonstration or reflection of that strength through our bodies and, and the patriarchy would have us believe so many different things. But Sayuri, your perspective 
on women who lift and, and certain perceptions that might exist? Well, I think, think times are changing now and it's becoming more um, popular for women to lift, especially younger women, um, lots of empowerment there, I think. Uh, but in the past, certainly, there was more of an expectation that women didn't do this kind of stuff. And you can see that I, I tend, I uh, work in a gym as well. And I tend to work with uh, older women clients who have never done any kind of training before in their lives. And they always tell me, I don't want to look, uh, I don't want to look like you, you know, <laughs> like they're scared. They don't want to look like me. But the thing is, one thing that you have to remember is that, um, yeah, if you train like I do, you might gain muscle this way, but your average person who's doing strength training, incorporating that into um, their lives is not going to look like I look. But not that it's a negative thing, but that's definitely something that I've come across, um, specifically with um, older generations who mm -hmm. have grown up in this atmosphere where it wasn't as acceptable socially to be muscular and that was not considered attractive at all, which I think is changing now. Yes, and 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 thankfully it is changing. And you know, women such as you, you're helping change that narrative for other women, especially the younger generation that's coming up, and and for them to um, really understand that as a woman you can own your strength, and that there are different ways in which you can reflect your strength and and your body is one way where you can embrace it and reflect it and and what's more you have a conditioned body you feel good you're you know resistant to um injury from day-to-day -day, uh you know work and and so on and you can compete and and you can um uh you know be competitive uh in in these things so powerlifting and Olympic weightlifting, um, I'm starting to understand the difference between the two. You've shared with me, you know, your perception on, uh, you know, women who lift. Now there's the other layer. You're not just women who are lifting, you're vegan women who are lifting. Where do you get your protein from, ladies? Yeah. <laughs> uh, um... So you're, let, let's go with you. How many times have we been asked that question? <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, um, one thing I just wanted to add about the, being a woman as well in, in strength sports is that it becomes something um, that's outside of appearance after a while. It becomes more that you see what you can do and you want to, your goal becomes not to look a certain way, but to perform a certain way, which I think is magical about strength and these strength sports is it becomes about what you can do and not how you look. So I think that's important to also note and something that I've seen firsthand with women who started strength training is that they appreciate their bodies in a different way. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for bringing that up because, you know, we do so much for appearances. I mean, the, our whole culture and society is about body image and, and so on. We have so many young women, you know, distressed because of negative body image. Just the other day, I was looking at um, usage of filters on Instagram and TikTok. Um, completely causing body dysmorphia and image dysmorphia for, uh, you know, our young women around. And uh, when we're looking at that dysmorphic, dysmorphic sort of 
cloud that descends upon young people. It just stresses them out to you know a, a very high degree. Um, and and what you're really talking about is that after a certain point um, with powerlifting or with Olympic weightlifting or with fitness in general, it goes beyond the appearance. It becomes about performance. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and that shift is, is I'm, I'm sure it, it does wonders for your body. It does wonders for your mental health, you know? So, so, you know, let me actually um, keep the vegan question to a <laughs> bit later, since we're talking about it. And Sayuri, I'm so glad you brought it up. Tell me about mental fitness that you may have experienced as a derivative of your physical fitness. Is there a connection? Well, I definitely think that uh, you need to be, it, it does reinforce your mental strength because, um, you know, you, you get to the gym on days you don't want to go, you go anyway because you have a certain goal in mind. So it definitely not only reinforces um, your discipline, but also then um, undertaking challenges lifting a weight that you've never lifted before. It takes a lot of mental capacity, mental strength to prepare yourself for the unknown. Because a lot of the time we can just uh, hide away from things that are scary or unknown. And I think that's one of the great things about lifting is that it forces you to confront that uh, on a regular basis. So you're always challenging yourself a little bit more every single time you step in the gym. So that definitely requires a lot of mental fortitude and, yeah. and has brought a lot of confidence as well, I think, to my, in my own case, uh, feeling more uh, sure of myself and my abilities. Um, so it definitely has had profound effect on um, overall my, my, how I think about myself and what I'm capable of. Wow. Beautifully said. Thank you. That, 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 that's going to stay here. <laughs> that's going to stay with me and and the difference the distinction that you made um between appearance and performance i mean that's that's just such a wonderful way of putting it ramona what are your thoughts on this mm -hmm. yes my thoughts it's with mental you just go in there knowing that you can do it having that belief system and trusting the process and just going in there and just being grateful, being grateful that you're in that moment, in that setting. Um, don't think too much, you know, <laughs> you know that you've put in the training. Uh, you have a great coach that um, is, is guiding you and um, you're learning and growing every time you step out on that platform and you're just feeling the moment, feeling the presence and just doing it. And you're, it becomes automatic through your muscle memory and through, it's just something that there's no need to explain. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I hear you. And, and, you know, it actually makes me think about somatics so much. Like there is a certain embodiment and, and it's, you're embodying your belief. You're living your belief. You're performing 
your belief in the goal that you've set, the target that you've set, and you're completely immersed in it. And there is a flow state that, you know, um, maybe both of you have experienced and, and, you know, writers experience that, poets experience that, dancers experience that, but then it's very different when it's strength sports, you know, or even with, um, with team sports, you can get into a flow state, which is very good for mental health and focus. Um, let's talk about veganism, you know, that layer that tends to complicate a lot of different things. <laughs> it simplifies, uh, you know, health, and it simplifies our ethic, and it simplifies um, our value system, and obviously simplifies life for animals. But it complicates some other things, especially for vegan, you know, sportswomen like yourselves. So say Yuri, where do you get your protein from? <laughs> so protein is definitely important. It's something that I really pay attention to. because I find that for myself and it can be largely personal, but for myself, I do better when I'm on a high protein um, diet. So uh, I really strive to get as much protein as I can um, and through different sources. I don't shy away from um, non-whole food, plant-based protein sources. I'll eat pretty much anything. And especially if it's uh, gonna give me, um, uh, sometimes it can be hard when you're just eating things like rice and beans and grains and this and that to get the amount of protein that you really need. So I don't shy away from using uh, fake meats, things like that. I'll incorporate those TVP, tofu, tempeh, seitan. I really just try to put a little bit of everything into my uh, daily routine, as well as protein powders. So between all of that, I really am, it's, it's a bit of work. I think a bit more work than obviously if you're on a traditional meat-based diet where you've grown up eating that way, there's a little bit of a, um, you know, a, a learning curve, but I, I think once you get the hang of it, it's, it's uh, something you need to pay attention to, but you get used to, um, you know, how you should be eating in order to drive your performance. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you for that. Um, Ramona. Yes. Yes. So I get my, um, my protein. I, I do wheatgrass. I, I do wheatgrass. I do a lot of uh, microgreens, sunflower uh, seeds, um, uh, some, some nuts and seeds as well. Uh, in terms of the microgreens, sunflower, uh, peep, uh, peas as well, which is, they're phenomenal. Uh, broccoli, broccoli sprouts, I get my protein from that. Um, I do um, aminos, amino acids. Um, I do take protein powders. Uh, sometimes um, a complex protein that has protein and carbohydrates together, like the lentils and different types of beans, I do that route. I don't do any more fake meat any anymore because I feel that um, it's either meat or it's no meat. That's how I feel. I mean, everybody's different. Like I said, I, I don't judge. I have I have friends and athletes that I know that do uh, eat fake meat, but um, I chose not to do that anymore. And I feel that uh, more cleaner, a more cleaner way of doing veganism. But that's that's me. Yeah. That's me. Yeah. And, Please. Yeah. So that's why I feel that. 
that way I'm distinguishing myself. If I want to go back to eating meat, then I'll eat the real meat. <laughs> Since I'm completely against eating meat, um, I, I would say I last for the last probably probably two years now, two or three years now, about approximately two years, I would say, I stopped eating um, the different types of uh, uh, fake meats. I just realized that I want to uh, go deeper into my vegan, even become more pure. At one point, I did uh, raw veganism at some point. Mm -hmm. And um, I, when I transferred over into like heavy-duty powerlifting, sports, and weightlifting, I realized being raw was not really really helping me that much. But then there are people that are raw vegans that are powerlifters that are that also do a weightlifting too. And they're very inspiring. So there's different levels and different layers of how people are successful and are thriving in veganism. And that's why it's, it's so exciting. And you have to do what's right for your body and what's right for your belief system. Wow, Ramona, that, that just blew me away. You know, I mean, both of you ladies, it's, it's just one insight and after the other. Um, there's a lot that you said that you packed into what you said. It's number one, yes, it's exciting. You know, there are different layers to it. Um, and, and depending on your belief system, um, even within veganism, and depending on your goals within strength training, whether you're just a regular person who is non-competitive and just wants to, you know, have a good conditioned body to people like yourselves who want to compete. There are so many different permutations and combinations of how you deploy protein to your benefit and advantage. So, so that's really interesting. I, I want to quickly pull up some graphics, you know, to, to showcase how you ladies really look like. This is Sayuri, you know, plant-powered, body-strong, mind-unchained. Yes. And it's great because we are going to be streaming. We are streaming on Unchained TV. So, Kaylin Barbell, that's your um, barbell. That, that, that is your business, right, um, Sayuri? And... And, and I want to quickly sort of shift gears, you know, and then bringing this image up. You're saying, I really have to credit punk rock as a huge influence in increasing my awareness of the evils of animal using systems and inspiring me to adopt this lifestyle. Up the punks. Yeah. Tell us about that. So um, I mentioned that I had been vegetarian at first uh, when I went to university was the first time I really encountered vegans and they were punk rockers, like hardcore punks. And it's something that's been a part of the community of particularly hardcore and crust punk for, since the 70s, since its creation of um, bands and individuals who have had their eyes open, wide open, seeing all of these things. And punk rock at its base is about uh, fighting up, fighting, like, as an individual against corrupt systems. Yeah. So of course you have this aspect of all these animal systems and these punk rockers who uh, believed it was wrong. So that's really where I became uh, aware of veganism uh, for the first time was through these people. And it continues to be, uh, I think one of the larger 
um, if you look at proportionally how many people are vegetarian or um, vegan in these scenes, it's quite a large number of, of them. So it's still alive and well, and uh, it's definitely been a big influence on me. Well, thank you for sharing that because uh, you're right, uh, Ramona, I, uh, you know, you know, well, the hip hop scene has so many vegans too, right? And and there are just so many, um, you know, black and brown influencers that we have you know, out here in the States who are vocally talking about how veganism is anti-speciesism, it's anti-colonialism, there are intersectional aspects of it that they're talking about, which is anti-corruption, anti-systemic racism, and, and so on. I mean, it, it's just the beauty of music as a vehicle to be able to influence. And, and Sayuri, you experienced something similar through punk rock. Oh, absolutely, it's very powerful. You, you, and what drew me to punk rock in the first place was feeling like an outsider, um, also not being very confident back in those days when I was younger, um, being bullied in school and stuff like that for how I looked, because I grew up in kind of a, a very white um, suburban area where I was one of the few um, ethnic kids, so I'm half Japanese, so um, got a lot, made fun of a lot, and so punk rock was kind of one of the outlets for me where I found a group of misfits of people who didn't belong with the rest of the people and who shared a lot of common um, interests. Mm -hmm. So really for me, it's life-changing, this type of music. And it's the kind of thing that I'm still involved in today that I still love and is such a primal aspect of uh, also who I am and the community, the people that I, that I, um, you know, can interact with. And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's definitely uh, one of the, the most important aspects of my life, I say, outside of uh, powerlifting and family and friends. And, and how do you continue to interact with that community in Brussels? Um, going to shows, mostly here locally. Um, also just keeping in touch with my friends that I've made over the years in, in various cities. So, um, and then of course, spreading the, the, the music, uh, keep listening and, uh, trying to promote it as much as I can on, on my, uh, various social media channels, helping to get the word out. Um, and what's cool is there are also a lot of bands that, um, do talk about these issues in yeah. their so um so i try also to draw attention to that when i can yeah yeah and then ramona do you want to share something about this because you know you're you've uh, been a musician through your school years and does music play a role in what you're doing right now and in your veganism yeah, I would I would say yes because um, I, I I enjoy a variety of different types of music and I like you know how um, I've been to like outdoor concerts um, like Vegan Dale. I don't know if you heard of Vegan Dale. Vegan Dale. Yes, I know they have every time when I go to Vegan Dale, they usually have it uh, on Randall's Island in uh, New York. They have a lot of vegan rappers uh, that come out and just. Um, just sing away and about their beliefs and how they feel about veganism and how, um, you know, it's, it's positive for the environment. 
for the human body, for your health, justice. So I really like that when um, they try to um, explain how veganism is helpful and beneficial yeah. to the planet through their music. I really enjoy that. Yes, absolutely. And it's very healing, you know, to yes. actually therapeutic. Yeah, it's very therapeutic because um, and as both of you've mentioned, it's you know, music is visceral. It, it just it's the somatic um, power of, uh, you know, music is just immense. And 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 I'm actually uh, let me actually share this with you guys while we're, while we're talking. I'm reading this book um, called Anchored uh, by Deb Dana. She's a therapist and um, she speaks about how to befriend your nervous system using polyvagal theory. And, and polyvagal theory is all about the gut brain axis and the vasovagal you know, system that we have inside of our um, you know, bodies. And it's about somatics. And, and since you guys are are big into like touching and feeling and performing and and both of you individually have um, exposed yourself to such um, different you know somatic modalities uh, if if I can call them of dance and performing arts and and then now competitive you know powerlifting and and strength um, Olympic weightlifting and strength training and so on it it's it just does wonders for your body. And it does wonders for your mental health. Um, Ramona, you know, uh, in one of the conversations we had before, you know, you had brought up about ACL and your healing from ACL. Um, I'm going to share with our viewers about this method that you've mentioned um, has helped you. Feldenkrais, is, is that how it's pronounced? And you know, talk to us a little bit about this, and and I will bring this graphic up again. For yeah, the, yeah, the Feltenkrais um, uh, method. I, I'm very been very blessed to have uh, Marek. He's the uh, director of the one in New York City, Feltenkrais, New York City, um, and it's just it's it's wonderful. Um, it's helped me um, using your neuromuscular awareness to. Uh, to just be in, in tune with how to move better. Like for instance, see my knees? I don't know if you see, if I do like this, we're all used to having our knees come in as, as females to keep it in. That's not good. For, even if you have a healthy knee, it's not good. You have to have it out, more out. And when you stand up, you want to stand up going out. Don't stand up going in. Because that, that, so it's a preventative uh, to help you move better move properly because people have i've known have taken yoga have taken have done different different exercises and they're great trainers out there but a lot of them you know doing things incorrectly incorrectly mm -hmm. and that's why a lot of people have a lot of injuries in gyms because some of them are not being watched or they're just doing things on their own. They just come in and do things on their own, right? And um, I feel that with the Feltenkrais method, having being in tune with your own body, it helps you become in tune to your own senses, your own awareness. Okay. 
And then the techniques they use around that, uh, if you have an injury or, or you're preventing an injury, is just really on point. I mean, um, it's, it's so different. It's just very different. It's very structured in a way where you are going to um, be more mobile, but be more empowered. Right. And yeah, definitely at some point with my ACL, if I had, if, if it was something where um, I was in pain, I, I don't have any pain at all. I was very fortunate, even though I tore it, tore it completely. People ask me, well, how come you don't have any pain? Uh, I mean, everybody's different. If I had major pain, then I would, then I would choose to have the surgery. My surgeon said to me that, oh, if you're going to compete in weightlifting, you have to have the surgery. You don't have the surgery, then you you won't you won't, you won't be able to do uh, the snatch, the this and the that. And I proved him wrong. I am snatching. I am clean and jerking. I, I am hundred percent sure that if I didn't find this method, I would probably uh, would have uh, created more or more damage to myself. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, so basically when my Feltenkrais specialist saw when I fell off the box, I was very unstable. And then he was showing me, you know, how I should have done it. But obviously the injury happened, but at least he, so in our training sessions, we do it the wrong way. And so I'm aware of this is how you not to do it and the right way. So your body knows, knows how to do it right. Got it. Yes. So I, I want to also bring up this other thing um, about somology, you know, and the science of the living body. And, and you've spoken about it before, um, how you found Tyre Tyrone. Um, it's advanced body work and movement processes. Now, it enhances intelligence and improves performance and, and so on. Now, talk to me a little bit about somology and Feldenkrais. Like, are they the same thing? Are they different? What are the differences and how have they benefited you in your work? Yes, thank you so much. The somology I also do as well. And um, that is also connected uh, uh, somewhat to Feltenkrais. It's more about feeling, feeling right now. How's my back feeling? How's it feeling? How, how are my legs feeling? Okay. Then... Also, he would watch me while I walk, while I'm walking. And then he would say, okay, which, which leg feels more stable, more anchored? And then the, the leg that's not anchored or stable, right? Then he says, okay, I see that your knee is kind of, he, he saw like Ty, Tyrone, he saw that one of my videos, my knee was uh, slightly twisted. So I did a procedure with him. I went to him and he kind of untwisted it with his hands, not on my knee, but he went below my knee and on my thigh to make adjustments because I, I had my knee pointed in a way where it was more in. So he kind of moved it where now my knee is more pointing out to beyond my my pinky toe you don't want the knee to be pointed um 
to your big toe or before the big toe because that's more prone proning inward okay so he had did some movements to make my knee pointing where it's pointing either at the pinky toe more so or more to the right and he could he knows that through by looking at me and watching how i walk and making those adjustments wow Th those are incredible experiences and you know you're fortunate to have such amazing um experts around you in new york city um i found myself looking at my knee and and i you know like i, I was sitting one knee crossed over the other and I immediately brought it back and I'm like, no, you know, I'm going to sit like how Ramona sits. So Yuri, tell us if you've had um, any experiences, um, you know, with such techniques and technology um, like such as Feldenkrais or um, somology, or if there's any other, I, I bet there are just so many different <clears throat> well, um, what we have here in Belgium, it's interesting. We have some kind of physical therapists, right? Kind of your traditional kine, we call them kines here. So physical therapists. And then there's another group called osteopaths mm -hmm. who are similar to kind of what you were describing, Ramona, where um, they will correct kind of your your um organs how your body is positioned they'll make corrections if you suffer you know uh if i have some sudden back pain or something like that maybe something has shifted so i'll go to the osteopath and they'll kind of be able to look and see and feel what is going on and if there's anything that they can do to correct it so i think it's kind of interesting it's more of a medical um you know not a procedure but um if something you get injured or you know even a preventative uh preventative for injury to yeah. go to an osteopath and then they can kind of make corrections according to how they see you walking or you know how everything's lining up so i figured that's a little bit like that so when i and and of course when you're doing these training so hard and doing these types of things um things happen, you get uh, little tweaks here and there, and um, it can be helpful to have somebody like that who can help you get back to where you need to be and, and back to training. So I definitely have one of those. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. So, um, so Yuri, I'm going to ask you first, and then we'll go to Ramona. What are your greatest powerlifting achievements so far? You know, brag to us <laughs> tell us what vegan sportswomen can do well so i started powerlifting um when i was a little bit older so when i did my first competition when i was uh 33 i think and um my biggest accomplishment so far is the last four years i've been the number one woman in belgium uh from all weight classes so we're not just talking my weight class, which is 60. So the powerlifting and weightlifting, we both have a weight class. It's weight class uh, divided into weight classes. Okay. So my class is 63, but I've won um, Belgian championships amongst all of the classes of women. So the last four years I've been number one. Um, and uh, I've also participated in world championships uh, with the IPF and uh, European championships as well. So looking to up my performances a bit there. So lots of international um, goals. 
but uh, yeah, so, so far, nothing too exciting to report on that front other than being there and having the opportunity. Well, this is super exciting. You're the number one woman, you know, in all of these fields and these categories that you mentioned. Yeah. Um, congratulations and, and thank you for doing this for <laughs> the vegan movement and, and for women everywhere. Ramona. Yes, yes. So um, I've, took, I've taken uh, two gold medals at the Pan Am Games in 2018 and in 2019. 2018, I uh, was in Gaspé, Quebec, in Canada. In 2019, I took it in Orlando, Florida. 2020, I did not compete. Uh, last year, I took uh, second at the Pan Am Games. Uh, last year, that was right before my injury. And now I'm going to be competing next Friday at the Masters Nationals in Salt Lake City, Utah. I'm going there just to have fun and enjoy their experience, have no expectations. I feel it. I know I'm ready to do my best. And then I, I plan to do other competitions by the Pan Am Games again. I'll be in Puerto Rico. We have um, another um, Masters Championship and the World Championships is, is in December. Uh, I've taken second at the World Cup in 2019. I've, I've taken second at the Masters Nationals in 2016. I won the Arnold in 2019 in Columbus, Ohio. Took two two gold medals in the silver at the at the Arnold Championships and uh, it's called the American Open. That was in 2019, and one other local meets, Masters athlete local championships uh, as well. So I'm coming off I'm coming off an injury, um, and I'm looking to just be in the moment and be happy with my performance and do well. Well. Wow, that is an impressive list. You know, we wish you all the best with your healing, you know, so that you can continue to make the movement proud and, and make the country proud as well and make all women everywhere proud with all these stunning achievements. It's been a sheer pleasure talking with both of you, um, Sayuri Lalim and Ramona Cadigan. Uh, this has been a really inspirational experience for me. Um, now, if people were to work with you, collaborate uh, with you, or reach you, or just know about your work, where can they find you? Very quickly, if you can tell us, Sayuri, and then Ramona. Yeah, sure. I'm mostly on Instagram at sci-fi, so it's S-A-H-Y dot F-I, um, and on my website, kaylinbarbell.com. Thank you. Yes, yeah, so I am also on Instagram, and you would find me at NY Ambassador uh, Team Green, Teen Green, sixty-three uh, KG. Um, I'm also part of the Plant Built Team that I just got on. That's something, and I'm going to be competing at Mr. Mr. Olympia in in October. So I'm really, I'm happy that they um, have me on board. So I'm very grateful to be on that on the Plant Build Team. So you can also find me on the Plant Build team on on facebook as well well that's great so to our, all our viewers i'm sure they really really enjoyed you know learning about your vegan stories about your sporting stories about the performance the competitive performance that you guys have been doing it has been amazing talking to both of you thank you so much for being with us sayuri and ramona thanks a lot yeah it's been fun thank you mm -hmm.